Hey everyone, this is Mike from You'll Probably Agree. Today, I have WGN Morning News sports anchor Pat Tomasulo on to talk about my favorite documentary of last year, or one of my favorite documentaries. My favorite one was probably Assassins. Uh, but this one that I'm talking about is The Last Dance. Uh, if you don't know what it is, I mean, you should at this point. It was about... You know, the Chicago Bulls dynasty. Anyways, I want to thank my sponsor, Galway Bay, located at 500 West Diversity Parkway in Chicago, Illinois. And if you live nearby there, they're looking for people who can donate toiletries and uh, food to help them out just so they can get by. Okay, we're all struggling during this hard time. I know you're probably tired of hearing that sentiment, but I mean, it's true. And everyone's slowly trickling open now. So now is a great time to try to help them out in any way that you can. I asked uh, Nolan, uh, the, the owner there recently, if they needed donations still, if they still need help. And he said they do. So guys, if you have some food or some toilet paper, you know, disinfectant, stuff like that, any kind of toilet tree that you can think of, please drop it off at their front door at 500 West Diversity Parkway in Chicago, Illinois. Having said that, I'm going to start the episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Michael Jordan and the Bulls changed the culture. Dennis gave us that edge on the front line. We were winning. Hello, everyone, and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Uh, today, I have uh, someone who I want to put on my show for a while, uh... I didn't reach out to him, though, because I'm weird and shy. Uh, it's Pat Tomasulo from WGN, the morning sports anchor. And we're talking about one of my favorite documentaries of, uh, man, was it last year? I don't know. Time is a strange concept since COVID. But The Last Dance. Uh, Pat, how you doing, man? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I, I, I miss you. Uh, I miss you, too, man. I, I think we're actually going to be seeing each other during Laugh Factory's live uh broadcast for their comedy show oh so. very good are you going to be uh producing that are you recording that are you involved in that a little bit of both i'm helping produce it and recording it and uh you'll see my brand new beautiful camera that i got there too <laughs> i miss um i miss going to the laugh factory on a crowded saturday night and seeing you perched right up on that second row with your camera and walking by and goosing you on my way to the stage or <laughs> running my fingers through your hair. I can't wait to get back to that time, Michael. My big, beautiful hair. I'm like Fabio. <laughs> Look at you. You do it. That is pretty lustrous hair. I'm not going to lie. It's silky smooth. What are you using on that thing? Thermosilk, Pantene? What are we using? No, just regular ass, like... Uh, just natural shampoo. oils. Yeah, yeah. You're whatever. just a naturally swarthy guy. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. I mean, you got that big, beautiful beard going too, man. You got Not like bad, the full huh? Grizzly Adams in the middle. What of this. men are we? Look at us. Right? Aren't we? We are blessed to have this much testosterone coursing through our veins. Oh my god, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. So, uh, on the uh, subject of the last dance, uh, what? Like, when did you see it last? Because I know I saw it last, like, last year. And then I had it going in the background as I was prepping for the interviews that I did earlier today. More of which you'll know when those interviews are out. But I don't want to say much right now because who knows, you know, if the distributors want me to talk about it or not. Yeah. But yeah, I was re-watching it, and it still lives up. It's still just a great time capsule into the 90s. And 
it's crazy. Like when I look at that man, I see like my childhood. I see because yeah. I wasn't a big sports guy, you know, growing up. I was kind of like the nerd and stuff into that. But the Bulls like transcended the sport of basketball. Like I remember, I actually have. I don't know if you can see it on camera here. I'll bring it up. My Michael Jordan Toontown. Uh, his basketball fell down, but the place is in his arms. My Michael Jordan Toontown Space Jam figure, and I saw that movie because, you know, they the the Bulls were a dynasty. Michael Jordan was a huge figure. Lo and behold, like a few years later, I would end up working with a lot of athletes. Like I worked with uh, Penny Hardaway, and uh, I did a, a a cooking show pilot with Charles Oakley. And almost filmed an interview. You worked with, with me. I was a former high school wrestling champion. Yeah. I mean, the list Who of world class athletes goes on and on. <laughs> athletes and broadcasters. I mean, you do the morning sports on uh, WGN. First time I met you, I think it was at a fundraiser, and I was like, "Oh, you're on TV." I don't know. <laughs> like, I didn't even know. You're like, I haven't watched TV since I lived with my parents. <laughs> exactly. Now it's all just internet. Yeah. All day long. Uh, but no, I actually do get, uh, I do stream uh, television on my television. Uh, well, on my television through the internet as well. So I do see you uh, now and then. And I'm like, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> but yeah, man, what did you think of that movie? Like when you saw it, was it like, eh, I don't get all the hype or, okay, th- this is, this defined like what I remember. We're talking about the documentary, not Space Jam, right? Yeah, no, not All Space right. Jam. Although no, they can't the documentary, the documentary, like you said, it perfectly captured that time. And I often think, you know, like I'm a grown man now, so I still like sports, but I don't. You can't get into sports as an adult the way you did as a kid. I don't think you can still love sports, but when you're a kid. These guys are larger than life. They're older than you. It's all you care about. You know, you don't have a mortgage. You don't have bills to pay. You've no stress other than are the Bulls going to win game six tonight? And so part of me wonders, do we just look back at that time because we were kids and it was the most important thing in our life. So no other era will measure up to that. Or was that really that special of an era. And I kind of feel like it was just that special of an era. I think the amount of great players that you had at that time, the competitiveness of the league, the physicality of the league, you don't have rivalries in the NBA like you did back then. You, You didn't have guys hugging after a game and shouting each other out. Like, Michael Jordan would have never shouted out Penny Hardaway after they beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals on Instagram. It just wouldn't have happened. (laughs) Now, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing or a good thing. It was just a different time. And so the game was just so much more intense. And that was really the explosion of the NBA on a worldwide stage was because of Jordan. And so... Yeah, it definitely captured that time remarkably. And even from a pop culture perspective, if you 
liked the music back then. Like the music they picked, the soundtrack for yeah. each transition, the hip hop of the '90s. You know the the you know the real. It was the really the best time for hip hop music too, and how all those things came together in that documentary were fantastic. Oh my god, yeah, I love the usage of music because there's so many songs that I just grew up with that kind of defined like what the Bulls were like at that time. Uh, what's the name of the song that the Bulls play like when they bring up their opening lineup every time? Because it's called Sirius, like Sirius XM S I R I U S. Yeah, that same theme that they've been using. Yeah, man, like that that song, like you could use that song just in a trailer for this documentary alone just show but they were also the bulls were really the first and you see every team in the nba well not so much anymore they don't they don't do huge opening introductions like they used to across the nba um but the bulls were the first team to do that where the arena went dark the music came up they were really the first team to pioneer that and do that well and then everybody did it i grew up in New Jersey. I grew up actually a Knicks fan. When I was a kid, I mean, I hated the Bulls. When they did the whole episode about the Knicks-Bulls rivalry, that brought up memories that I had compartmentalized for years. I had not thought about Charles Smith missing five straight layups. I forgot about all that stuff. But I also... You know, the the Knicks, to, to get to my earlier point, the Knicks started doing intros like that and the whole spectacle of the of the intro and the pregame stuff really leveled up after the Bulls. Yeah, it's I was actually wondering that because I knew you grew up in Jersey. You weren't a Chicago guy. I wonder if like when you saw the Bulls, you're just like, oh, those motherfuckers. I fucking, you know, or though now you moved there. Yeah, yeah I, I could fucking imagine. The worst part was that my brother and my father in New Jersey were were Bulls fans. They weren't yeah. Bulls fans. They were Michael Jordan fans. The second he retired, they stopped watching Bulls games. But they were huge Jordan Bulls fans. And so in my own house, I had to, to catch shrapnel from these two maniacs every time the Knicks lost to the Bulls. I hated them so much. <laughs> now, once you're removed from it, you're like, oh, I love everything that they stood for and created. But I hated Jordan. I rooted for the for the Sonics. I rooted for the Jazz. I rooted for the Lakers. Could not stand them. Oh, man. Yeah, you and Nicholson, both of the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, funny because... When, when when you look at Michael Jordan in this documentary, like, that dude would just, he wouldn't just want to compete against you. Like you were saying earlier, like, he took shit personally. Like, he would just find any fucking reason to not like you. There is that one story where he made up that someone put his arm around him and he said, good game, Mike. And he just used that against him. There was another story where... There was like a social gathering before a game and one of the players from the rival team didn't say hi to him. And that was enough where he's just like, all right, I got a reason to crush you because I'm not only going to just beat you in the game. I'm going to stomp my foot on your fucking throat 
and you're not going to be able to do shit about it just so you could just choke it out. It's just like the amount of competitiveness was so great because it was a glad at the, I mean, sports in general, they're just watered down gladiatorial events, you know, where people aren't chopping each other's heads off uh, as of yet. Um, maybe we'll go back to that one day. Which well, I mean, you know, he was also crazy. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, there's a, a thin line between crazy, you know, between genius and madness. You know, any great achiever, person who's achieved the utmost success, you know, look at Tiger Woods. It's kind of the, the same the same way. This single-mindedness and this the perceived slights and the finding motivation in, in anything you can. That's why these guys were as great as they were. They, they needed to, to create that. The craziest thing for me, though, watching that, like I get doing that and being pissed off all the time and hating Isaiah Thomas when you're 30 years old. Yeah. But, you know, now you're almost a grandpa and you still hate a guy because he didn't shake your hand 30 years ago. That, to me, maybe a little much, maybe a little over the top, but based on what he achieved and how, how great he is, he's, he's judged differently. But it would be like you still holding a grudge because a kid in middle school cut you in line for school lunch. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's over. Yeah. It's always weird when people have like those high school reunions in movies and they're like, this guy did this to me in high school. It's like he was 18. Like yeah. he, his brain was still developing. Like he didn't know. Um, no, it's funny. Like I wonder if like part of like to reach that level of greatness, like Michael Jordan, if it takes like a piece of your soul, because I don't know if you've seen the Tiger Woods documentary or not. But his dad just psychologically fucked with him so bad. Like, he's like a shell of a human being when you see that. At least Michael Jordan had a good childhood, it seems. Right. And, you know, the, the, he still had that youth. He had his parents to keep him straight. And overall, when I, when I initially saw the documentary, I was like, you, I'm like, man, MJ's crazy, dude. Like, this guy has problems. But then I see it again. It's like, yeah, he's competitive, but that's because he wants people to put in the same sort of work ethic yeah. that he's putting in. And because of that, I real I kind of respect that. But at the same time, it's like if you're going to reach that level, it's a, it's a lot like that uh, movie uh, where J.K. Simmons is a teacher. And a whiplash. Whiplash, Love yeah. Love that movie. Fuck yeah. It's, it's just like whiplash. Like You want to reach that level of greatness? Okay. But you're going to have to sacrifice some happiness if you even, you know, if we even know what that means. Like, I wonder, did that, did, did Michael Jordan sell a piece of himself in order to reach that level? Or do you think he's uh, content, you know, besides the materialistic value that he has? I don't know. That's the, I don't think that's a question that, that I can answer for the guy. But I'm yeah. sure, listen, to have that single-mindedness and give up and, and put that first before everything in your life, before yeah. your personal relationships, before your marriage, before, you know, I think you'll find a lot of people, I'm sure, and I don't know that I'm speaking out of turn here, but I'm sure his wife would probably attest to, <laughs> you know, he wasn't the model husband. Right. 
right. he wasn't necessarily uh, the most selfless guy in yeah. a in a marriage. There's unbelievable, limitless selfishness that you have to have to to reach those kind of goals. So you're gonna you're gonna miss out in some area. You're gonna fail in some areas, right? Yeah. It's funny though that you mentioned Tiger. I think the big difference you kind of hit it on the head. I think there was the story, wasn't there a story in the documentary about Tiger in Vegas with mm. Jordan and Barkley or he was out with a bunch of NBA guys or I don't know if it was in the documentary or something that the filmmakers talked about afterwards where Tiger just had absolutely no social skills. Like he didn't know how to just be a person. He was like a robot. Whereas Jordan still had that, Jordan could be an asshole, but he could also charm your pants off. I mean, the guy had that magnetism where Tiger never had that. Tiger was just, he was a robot. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And and the re, because Tiger Woods, there was always something that seemed off about him for me. Not like, oh, he's secretly like a bad guy or anything, but it just seems like there was, there was just something weird. It's like when someone smile. it was like when, whenever Richard Nixon would smile, his smile would not match how he was feeling. Yeah. And that's how it felt with Tiger. He's like a like, Manchurian oh, candidate. You're like, is there somebody else? Is he just a bot for somebody who's controlling exactly. Tiger Woods? Like just play a deck of cards. Exactly. Um, and that, that, that was the thing. At least, at least MJ had that childhood where, he, you know, still had a personality, could enjoy himself where it's like you see Tiger Woods and you, your heart just breaks for him because you're like, my God, like this, this guy's dad, like he was three years old and his dad would put him on television and have him like hitting golf balls. He's three. Like he doesn't know anything. That's like if I took like I have a nephew who's three and he loves hitting baseballs. Yeah. I mean, maybe he has athletic prowess, but I'm not exploiting him and shoving him on television and saying, oh, look what he can do. Look, you know, and they even ask him, like, as a three-year-old, like, so, Tiger, what do you think about golf? And he's like, I got to poop my pants. It's like, leave the kid alone, man. Let him be a kid. Yeah, to know. a point. But if he's got a really sweet swing, Mike, you got to milk that nephew. Well, you know what? In the end, it's like I kind of Can understand. Can he hit it deep? Is he a five-tooler? Can he run? Can he field? Or is he just a hitter? <laughs> is he just a one-dimensional guy? If he's only a one-dimensional player, then sit on it. But if he can, if he's fielding grounders and shagging fly balls too, we may want to get him on the Tonight Show. Exactly, because like at the end of the at the end of the day, it's like guess what? I don't want him to live the kind of childhood that I had. And you know, coming from Tiger's dad's perspective, yeah. I don't know what his childhood. He's also was like. three. He's kind of yeah. not doing anything right now. So I say yeah. put him to work. Exactly. He's reloading. He's not working. He's sucking he's off pull the his team. own weight. You're goddamn right. He does. Yeah, fucking lazy asshole. <laughs> Get his ass on Corden. Put him in a put him in a crosswalk karaoke or something. <laughs> Carpool karaoke, whatever the hell that guy does, he's always singing. <laughs> Are you talking about James Gordon? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's uh, just too jolly. There's some I, evil behind. Him. Okay, yeah, I, I gotta say this, like James Gordon. I love that video you did where you talk about like everyone's shocked that Ellen DeGeneres is secretly a bitch. Yeah. It's like you could tell there's something oh, wrong with monster. James Gordon. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, mean, I don't have any proof of that. There's nothing that I've heard that would lead me to any definitive conclusion. I just. I just think nobody is that jolly. Nobody yeah. is that jolly. There's some evil lurking behind those eyes. There's some darkness, Mike. Yeah. It's Again, always... no proof. 
I have no evidence to back this up with. Call it a hunch, but I'm sure James Corden has people locked in his basement. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at all. And he just, like, puts a gun to them, and he's like, sing! Sing the fucking song! Yeah. Right? But, like, in a happy British voice, he says it. <laughs> all right, sing for me! Yeah. You Are know? you going to do the song? Come on, come on. Where the cut. Wear the cat uniform. Do it. Nobody is that happy. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, there was actually, like, a video from his show where Kathy Lee Gifford pretended to fall down some stairs, but it was just, like, her stunt lady. And immediately when he saw the real Kathy Lee at the top of the stairs, he didn't ask if the stunt lady was okay. He just fucking bailed on her immediately. And I'm just like, there's the James I think, James, I think exists. Again, like you, I have no evidence behind that, but it's possible. But um, I guess like during the Bulls dynastic years, or I guess I could transition this into like adulthood. Now that you're an adult and you see them, what's your perception on them? You know, now that you've been in Chicago for a while and you've seen the sports scene here, what do you think sort of encompasses the sports scene that's so quintessential to Chicago? You mean what do I think of the of the bull of the the dynasty bulls now looking back or yeah like why are the bulls like so important back then and why are sports such an integral part of the city sort of like as an outsider like who's coming in is like a part of the city now well back then I mean back then it was because Chicago was the was the center of the basketball universe I mean you had the greatest player on the planet on the best team on the planet, probably at the NBA's, I don't know if it was the height of the NBA's international peak. Since then, they've, they've expanded into a ton of other markets, and they're probably a lot bigger internationally now than they were then. But that was the first time the NBA had really exploded on the international scene. So... There, was, there may not have been as many people watching the NBA internationally as there are now, but the people who were watching it were so enamored of him and of the Bulls that wherever they went, I have people that I know who covered those teams, and they said traveling with those guys, it was like traveling with the Rolling Stones in the 60s. Like They would pull up to hotels throngs of people waiting for him every city every city when they went internationally they played exhibitions internationally wherever they went it was like the Beatles so I don't know that we've seen any team like that since you've not seen a baseball team like that you've not seen an NFL team like that you've not they were they were just that big um and in terms of what was the second part of that question well why why are sports like so big because they're still like a huge deal here like when we even like when the white Sox won the world series you know coming from my own bias as a Sox fan who grew up on the north side around all cubs fans we still had uh, an enormous parade and then of course yeah. in 2016 the cubs parade was even bigger yeah you know and so, it seems like it's a lot of reasons. I think sports are always big in blue-collar cities. There's a reason New, you know, New York is 
people think of New York, the New York market, they think of Manhattan. But New York is, there's four other boroughs. There's Staten Island, there's New Jersey, there's some of Pennsylvania, Connecticut. It's a very blue collar area. Boston, same same thing. It's why LA is a shit sports town because nobody there, there's no blue collar Laker fans yeah. that are at least going to games, right? So I think you have that working class blue collar. Those are always areas that that sports at a local level are big too. It's the Midwest. I also think in Chicago, athletes are our celebrities. We're not LA. We're not New York. We're not a major, you know, we're a big media market, but we're not New York. We're not a big news market. We're not LA with actors and singers. What do we have here? We've, we've got uh, athletes, chefs, and, and local newscasters. That's what we have. And so athletes, I think, that, that's also what people, you know, hang their hat on is, is, is watching sports. But I just think there's such a rich, there's such a long history, too. When you look at the cities that, like New York, like Boston, like, uh, you know, even Pittsburgh or Cleveland or, you know, these are cities that have had teams forever. You know, Cubs Cubs were early 1900s. Yep. It's been around for, for over 100 years. And so... I think that's all part of it. It's 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 the makeup of the city. It's where we are geographically. It's the history. Uh, it just gets passed down generation to generation. Yeah, I think you hit on a great note there because I I remember when I lived in L.A. for the brief period of time I did, like they are like to them sports doesn't mean much, but when it comes to the film industry, movie stars, that's everything. Like Hollywood Boulevard is like going to a really cheap, shitty version of Disneyland, also known as Six Flags Great America, where it's just, like, people dressed up as, like, Darth Vader and all these weird, like, movie characters. And then at the same time, you have the Walk of Fame. And Yeah, Yeah, I mean, Laker fans fans are pretty good there. Laker fans are pretty... But when the Cubs played the Dodgers in the NLCS, we went out there and it wasn't even a full stadium. Wow. I mean, you know, it's it's the NLCS, not not even a sellout. I'm thinking that would never happen. No. <laughs> and there are a lot of cities like that, but but New York, Chicago, Boston, if it's middle of the NLCS, dude, that place is 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 every seat is full just about by the first inning. Yeah. I remember when I was actually, although I was a Cubs fan, although I'm a Sox fan, I was supporting the Cubs uh, when they won the World Series. And I remember when they clenched uh, the NLCS, the entire street was just littered with people. Like people were, were just knocking down like the metal barriers that was holding them. It was total pandemonium. And I actually wanted to see the game. I was like in a cab with a guy who just wanted to see the atmosphere. I'm like, well, where's a bar where we can see the game? He's like, oh, I don't care about that. I want to I wanna just go to the atmosphere. I'm like, what? Like, dude, I'm not even a Cubs fan and I want to see the game. What's wrong with you? When we, yeah, but to us, like sports is like religion almost. I mean, I remember when the Blackhawks uh, won the Stanley Cup. It was complete pandemonium. Uh, I almost like went on the train 
you know, to the middle of Lakeview to celebrate, but I'm just like, I got work the next morning. <laughs> I can't. But yeah, my friends told me about it and rubbed it in my face the next day, and I, I hated them all for it. But it, yeah, it's amazing how integral sports are here. Um, it's funny, like when I look at this doc, I, I wonder like what parts, because I had a lot of friends who were like, oh, they left this out and they left that out. And I'm like, it's a I don't know what they could, what did they leave out of that documentary? Yeah, I'm like, it it's seemed 10 like hours. they covered it all to me. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, this thing is 10 hours. Like, do you want to see, because you brought up a great point, like, we're not going to see things about, um, Michael Jordan's wife or kids or anything like that. And I'm glad they left a lot of that sort of like personal stuff out because if they, if they put that in there, you know, it, it would have muddled the overall point of the film, which was about this incredible team that no one will ever see again. Um, yeah. Which, you know, which is something that I think comes once in a lifetime. I remember, I can't, I don't know which year it was, uh, but there was that it was the year after Michael Jordan's father was assassinated uh, by some 18 year old kids, I think. And I remember when they won that championship game, he like just fell on the ground and was just openly weeping. And I was like a little kid. I didn't get it. I asked my dad, like, why is he crying? And he's going, well, he's thinking about his father. And I did it know what he meant at the time like oh his dad just passed away i don't know like some crazy kids like shot him when he was taking a nap in his car and you know to him michael jordan was phenomenal at compartmentalizing his feelings and then you know when it just came out like that i think in a way he felt like the way we all feel like if the bulls ever won everything again I would probably be on the ground like that too because I haven't seen the Bulls as good as they were back then. No, and you and you probably never will. Yeah. No. I mean they'll they'll win championships, but I don't even think it's in today's NBA. I mean, what did they do? They did uh uh six championships in 8 years. Yeah. I don't know that you'll ever see that again. I don't no. think teams, especially core groups of guys, can stay together and play together that long without egos getting in the way, without somebody demanding a max contract, without somebody getting upset. I just, I, I don't think there's any way you'll see that. I mean, you know, the Warriors a couple of years ago had some all-time teams. But then KD leaves and, and guys get hurt and, and things peel away. I, I just don't know. There's too much scoring in the league. There are too many guys that can shift the dynamic of a team with one free agent signing. Back then, you know, guys didn't... Guys rarely left in big free agent signing deals. Guys never forced a trade to play with their buddies. And guys now are so fickled that way that... Teams don't stay together. It's hard enough to win a championship now with the talent there is in the league if guys, if teams do stay together. But now teams don't even stay together to give them that chance at a run. So you'll see a Bulls championship team at some point. Yeah. But the idea of winning three in a row or six out of eight, I mean, winning one. Yeah. 
Winning back-to-back NBA championships now is, is going to be hard, let alone winning three in a row or six of eight. Yeah, and that that seems like the most physically exhausting sport of all sports. Like I don't know. I would say, to me, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Just because to... they go on, and I mean, it's it's two months long, two and a, it just goes on forever. And you got to wear like all that equipment on you while ice skating, you know, while getting your teeth knocked out. Yeah, those guys get the hell beat out of them. Yeah. It's it's like the craziest, uh, most exhausting sport. Um, I don't know if if you were to like cast a movie on this, like who do you think you would cast in each role? Like who would you cast as like Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, Jerry Krause? I don't uh, know, man. Jerry you gotta have people who can ball. I yeah. don't know who can play. Well, you could use CGI. No, don't use CGI. Don't George Lucas that shit. You have to have yeah. somebody who could play. I don't know. Can Michael B. Jordan play? Uh, you know what? He was on my list. Michael B. Jordan was on the list, not because of the similarities in the name, which there is no relationship, but it's like he kind of has that charisma that Michael Jordan has. When it comes to like them being able to play the game on screen, again, you can use stuntmen and stuff like that, although really you want them tough. to do as much on camera and close-ups as possible. I mean, like, the reason a movie like The Matrix worked as well as it did was because those guys are actually basically beating the shit out of each other using hardcore choreographed kung fu on screen where the camera wasn't cutting every five seconds. You'd also need... You gotta find guys who are tall, too. You you can't have guys who are, like, six foot running around playing Dennis Rodman. That ain't gonna work. It's weird. Like it's it's like you can cheat it with a lot of camera tricks, but at a certain point, it would be pretty obvious. But you could do a lot in camera without even having to rely on CG, where you could make it work and make them look tall. But like when you see pro athletes up close, it's fucking weird how yeah. big they were. I remember I had Charles Oakley in the car next to me in my broken down Buick. In like nearly a hundred degree weather with my broken AC, and he was cool the whole time about it, and like his legs were like up to his chest <laughs> when sitting next to me in the car, and he was just talking about like how all the like Jordan, LeBron, I think LeBron James was getting a lot of shit about something. I think it was like during the time he switched over to the Heat, yeah. and he's just like, dude, he took a deal. So what? Was he gonna stay in like shitty Cleveland? Which hey, I'm not. I haven't been to Cleveland. I don't know if it's as bad as they say. It seems like a fun city. I'd love to give it a try, but you know, it's like how are you how are you gonna cast guys like that? Are you gonna put in like those those stilts that they give to the guys who pretend to be Uncle Sam like on the Fourth of July and shit like that? Like who knows? Yeah, you meant the the one thing I would have loved to have seen it. I you can't even say the documentary left it out because obviously they they could not have included it, but. I would have loved to have been able to hear from Jerry Krause in that. You know, after the documentary came out, he had been, I can't remember if he had been working on a book or he had written some of a book and then abandoned it. It was with one of the guys from the Tribune at the time who's now at NBC Sportsnet, the local cable sports channel. And with Krause's family's permission, he released excerpts of the book which you are able to hear his side of things 
not the same as hearing him now and having him react to what he's hearing other people say. I think that would have been really fascinating to to hear his his perspective of it. Yeah, it's funny. Like I I don't know like did the documentary give Krauss a fair shake? I felt like a little bit of both. Like they're saying, yeah, the guy had a Napoleon complex and also because you couldn't get over the fact that he was like a short fat kid. It's like, well, then lose the I think they tried to be I think they tried to be 50-50 with that, yeah. but I think I think they 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 plan they had the best laid plans. I'm not sure they executed that portion of it perfectly. I don't know that they stuck the landing. I think some people could watch that and say, "Man, this feels like a little bit of a hit job on Jerry Krause." <laughs> and listen, he deserves, you know, a, a good part of the blame for for dismantling that dynasty. But he was not a stupid guy. And there, there had to be some method to his madness that only he could articulate. Yeah. We can glean what his intentions were or why he did what he did, but to hear from him, I think, would have been a really, a really interesting wrinkle to it. Yeah, because he passed away in 2003, I believe, which is a long time ago. And yeah, the way the movie played, and when I first watched it, I'm like, oh, there's that douchebag. You know, and this is like when I didn't know much about him, you know, because I was so young at the time. It, you know, it didn't, I, I couldn't remember all the specific players, not that players, players on the team, but everyone involved with the team involved. But yeah, it did seem like a partial hit job on him. And he's like an easy target. You know, he's like a little fat hobbit. So. You could easily poke fun at him, and I could see why he would kind of have that. I mean, speaking as uh, two members of the of the short people community, I could see why they would, uh, you know, why that would bother him. Um, but at the same time, it felt like even Dennis Rodman got more of a fair shake than Jerry Krause did, because it was like Dennis Rodman was a guy that everyone, including myself, just considered to be... I mean, this is the 90s, when guys dressed up like women and did all the stuff he did. That was considered, like, who who was this, you know, crazy, weird freak? And yeah. now, today, you know, that's kind of, like, considered normal. Um, as to what my opinions are on, on that kind of lifestyle, I'll, I'll just, you know, kind of leave that private. But uh, he... You know, it, it's funny. Like, it, it see, I kind of gained like a, an amount of respect for Rodman in this documentary that I didn't have as much before because he was an amazing player. But then he would do all this crazy stuff, like wanting to go to uh, Las Vegas for like 20, 48 hours. And then if he betrayed going there for beyond 48 hours, you know, they had to go and get him, which is essentially what they had to do. They had to essentially execute a rescue mission <laughs> to get him back. But at the same time, like this dude would have your back. He would do some crazy shit. He still does. Like he's friends with Kim Jong-un. Um, but at the same time, when he had to play for you and he was on your side, like he was there a hundred percent of the way. And he was just an amazing 
sort of ally to have at the end of the day. You know, he's kind of like that weird friend that we all have where it's like there's something odd with that guy, and if you don't know him, you think he's a dick. But then once you get to know him, you're like, oh, he's actually a cool dude. Uh, what, what did you think of your take on him with the movie? Well, I think it, it did. You're exactly right with that. But I think it also showed how brilliant of a basketball guy he was. Yeah. You know, I think people thought, and he was, he, he was a freakish athlete and had a crazy, I hate to use this word because it's such a cliche sports uh, word, but he had like a motor that just did not stop. Like the guy had energy, just reserves of energy and endurance that were superhuman. But he was also a student of the game, which I don't think a lot of people really knew. I'm not sure I knew the degree to which he studied and the degree to which he knew offenses, defenses, his role. I think that was one takeaway I had from that. I mean, I, I heard all of the stories about, you know, the partying stories and him being Dennis Rodman and, and you know, being a lunatic and wearing yeah. wedding dresses and all that stuff and partying at Crowbar until five in the morning and playing the next night. Yeah. But he not only always showed up, but he was always he was always one of the smartest basketball guys in the game. Yeah. So when you look at this like compared to other sports documentaries, do you think it sells itself apart from them or is it sort of like the same thing? I don't know. How many other sports documentaries are, are ten parts? You know, you go back uh, to like yeah. Ken Burns baseball which is a totally different that's a totally different animal watching ken burns baseball that's great documentary also a good substitute for melatonin or ambien on the right night whereas this was more just so much more high energy it's it's definitely one of the better sports documentaries i've seen probably the best sports documentary series for sure. Yeah. I mean, ESPN's done some great stuff with 30 for 30, but those are not... Um, I still have to see the OJ one. That's the other one, the OJ Made in America. I've not seen. So good. I want to watch it. I ended up watching the uh, the the FX show, though, first. Oh, God. <laughs> I did see Which is that. also like, fantastic. Did you see that? I saw parts of it. And so good. When I saw John Travolta on screen, I'm like, this is Bro, he's phenomenal. <laughs> he's phenomenal in that role shit i think yeah it's not that no he's check it out travolta's phenomenal they got the guy uh the guy who plays johnny cochran is is great the guy who plays chris darden is the guy from this is us i forget his name um yeah dude it's great but then i got through watching that and that was one of those two how the bulls documentary captured that time period with the music and the feel, how they capture the 90s in that People versus O.J. Simpson, fantastic. But I do do still want to see that documentary. I love how you mentioned the 90s because that's one thing I just remember. When I saw uh, Last Dance, it felt like a time machine into the 90s. Yeah. Like you literally felt like you were in that locker room because they had – I don't think they ever released that footage before where they had like all these – 35 – this is back when they filmed documentaries on actual film. And for people who don't know the process between film and video, like television, 
you know, I mean, you know, you guys have the camera preset up. It's hooked up to the, you know, to, 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 you know, to the control room and everything. It's instantaneous. With film, it's extremely meticulous. You got to load it in the camera. You got to make sure no sunlight gets on it. And when you have that hundred feet of film, uh, which is like, or I should say thousand feet of film, which is like a 500 feet per roll. That's like those 10 minutes are precious and you cannot screw that up. And when you see a movie on that format from that time, it just transports me not only to the look of those like rooms that they were in, but just the smell of it, those white walls, the carpeting, yeah. everything. It just makes you feel like you were a kid again living in the 90s, which it was just absolutely phenomenal that they got access to that footage. And I, and I just loved how unapologetic it was. And that's probably why they didn't release, you know, that footage. I, I don't think they want to show footage of, you know, Michael Jordan jokingly saying to Larry Bird, fuck you, you bitch, like after a game or something like that. I'll tell you, you were saying like why that team resonated or, or the power of that team and why they were. So I watched that whole documentary with my wife who really never watched the NBA as a kid. She didn't grow up in Chicago. She grew up in Florida and never watched the NBA. She knew who Michael Jordan was, but... She never really saw much of him playing. And she was transfixed from the first episode on. She could not believe somebody was that good and that dominant. And there was a team that that was that good. So even for someone who's not even familiar with that team, it was just the uniqueness of that team. Yeah, because you you can't believe that someone would win that much. You know, and we haven't seen it. I mean, maybe we, maybe you could look at the Yankees and see how many years they've won in a row, but they've won so much, it was just kind of normal. And they had like almost unlimited funding at the same time, where the Bulls, they certainly had their huge chunk of the budget, but just the amount of energy that they brought in there was phenomenal. I wonder, would the team have been as good as they were without? Michael Jordan. I mean, obviously the answer. No, no. no. Yeah. I mean, you know, the year they, they played without him, they, they almost beat the Knicks in the Eastern conference finals. Some people would say a, a, a foul, a non-foul call against Hubert Davis. And, and that series ends a lot differently. And, and they're probably right in hindsight, but no, they don't have that run. Maybe, maybe they would have won one. But I don't think they would have even have been able to take the Knicks in that series without Jordan as far as they did if Jordan hadn't been there the previous three years. Jordan Absolutely. made all of those guys so much better that they were able to, to play well for a season without him. It's like in, in the NFL, you know, if a starting quarterback gets hurt midway through the season and the backup comes in, the backup might lead you to the Super Bowl. But there's a reason he's a backup, and you're not going to want him as the starter the next year. So that franchise was riding a wave because of Jordan. I think they kind of rode that wave, and he lifted everybody up so much. But no, there's no way they would have been even close to what they were without Jordan. 
Yeah. And he was a smart guy. Like, he knew how to push his brand as well. Like, I, when I was just trying to find, like, gameplay footage, you know, because people love watching me play video games while I'm doing these things on YouTube, I couldn't find, like, a copy of NBA Jam with Michael Jordan in it. But he knew how to market himself. You know, like, he knew how to take, like, the sneaker brand and get the Jordan sneakers. Like, I have a pair of Jordan sneakers that I've had for years that are now worn out because I was walking in, like, Puerto Rico with them and stuff like that, you know, before they got devastated by the hurricane. Kane. he I, I mean of course you know he had space jam you know with the oh my god my camera is decapitated michael jordan uh with, with the with the two-town and everything like this guy was the symbol of basketball when it comes to like the jordan lebron rivalry is there even a rivalry or is that just a bunch of stuff that like the media has created i don't know it's hard to say i think lebron I don't think it. I, I don't know that there's any correct way to answer that. I don't know that you can definitively say one guy is better than the other. Yeah. I mean, Jordan has. I mean, Jordan's always number one just because of his impact on the game. It's just a perfect storm. Being the best player ever at that time, during that time of the NBA, on that team, there's, there's nobody who's ever going to be Jordan his impact on the game, the total package like he was. But if you break down simply just skills, talent, all-around game, I don't know that there's anybody who can do more than LeBron. A guy that size who moves like that, like imagine Michael Jordan moving like he did and being as big as LeBron. I mean, have you seen... The size of that man. I mean, he's the size of an NFL tight end. And he can pass, he can shoot, he can run, he can steal, he can... There's nothing that guy cannot do on a basketball court. He's the kind of guy who I really think if if he wanted to, could probably score 40 points a game and, and nobody could stop him. Or could have. Probably can't now. He's 35 years old now. Right. So it's hard for me to say that I'm not saying I would make the case for LeBron, but I don't dismiss anybody out of hand for making the case for LeBron. When people say, I think LeBron is better, there are people who say, no, not a chance. Dude, what he does for his size, and he's played on some shitty teams too. Some really bad teams. You know, he didn't have a Pippen for a long time until he got... Uh, Kyrie, or until he got Dwayne Wade, and I mean, he had nobody in Cleveland the first time around. Yeah, it's yeah, it's insane. I think it's totally subjective, but yeah, what LeBron brings to the game is amazing, and I think I can, I think anyone can respect both athletes on their own merits without having to compare the two. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's funny, but uh. Having said that, I, I think this is a documentary anyone can enjoy. Like you said, like you, like your wife like w- wasn't even like huge into sports, and she was watching this, and she was like, "Yeah, oh, this is amazing." Although she does watch like pro wrestling, I'm not sure if that counts as a sport, but it's certainly it's sports entertaining. entertainment, Michael. Yeah, they are athletes, and you will not besmirch them. So don't even. Don't oh you no! Even... It's it takes a lot. I could never do what those guys do. I don't think any of us could. Nah. Like the amount of abuse you got. She'll take... suplex your ass. Believe me. Oh, yeah. She didn't I get wouldn't... taken a year shit. 
<laughs> Did you ever see that video? Somebody was talking to like this one wrestler, and he said something about it being fake, and he just open hand slapped him. Oh uh, yeah, that was, was uh, that was the old Letterman thing with Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman, right? Uh, this was no, this wasn't the uh, was Lawler Kaufman. No, this was like in the eighties or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, and he made him deaf, right? Did he blow out his ear? He might have. Yeah, He's like, you can't hear that. That's an open hand slap. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Although I, I would think Cobra Kai. I haven't watched the show, but that's sort of like the Fantastic. Netflix version of of pro wrestling. In so a way. good, so uh, good. Actually, a little confession of mine: I've never seen the Karate Kid. You can go right to hell. Yeah. Oh no, I I'll, I'll make it even worse. I've never seen the Karate Kid. I've never seen Goonies, and I've never seen Gremlins. So, like, everything from, like, the 80s, I just, like, skipped. But, like, Look, the 90s, I know. You watch a lot of shit, though. I hear you talking about movies all the time. You watch oh, all yeah. these art house movies and all this nonsense, and you haven't even seen oh, yeah. the Goonies. <laughs> I mean, what if kind it's... of cinephile do you call yourself, Mike? Oh, you Ooh, should know. You the... saw what was on Sundance Channel, and you haven't even seen the Gremlins. As a matter of fact, I have not seen a lot of, like, uh art house movies what about 80s comedies you don't even watch 80s comedies like beverly hills cop and oh i love beverly Hills Cop. places and yeah Trading yeah trading places uh yeah that's sort of like a documentary on what's happening with wall street now i think those guys are you've seen trading places uh, what's going on with gamestop long time ago long time ago i just saw planes trains and automobiles for the first time recently on thanksgiving yeah love it what about uncle Uh, buck you seen uncle buck I've seen Uncle Buck. Yeah, I've seen that a bunch of times. I've seen Uncle Buck, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, including yeah. Christmas Vacation, right. Caddyshack. Uh, All right, although, good. I have to say, Happy Gilmore's I like even more than Caddyshack, which is weird. That's Happy fine, Gil- as long yeah. as you've seen them. If you said you hadn't seen those, I was going to have to slap you around. <laughs> you're going to have this. to give me an open-hand slap yeah. and suplex. Bat- no, backhand. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or you could do what uh you could do what uh Kaufman did or not Kaufman you what Lawler did to Kaufman and just put me in a neck brace, you know. I don't think I won't but, do it. I'll yeah. drop kick you right in the skull. Watch <laughs> out! I used to box, so be careful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you kick ass. Yeah, I got a couple knockouts. Nice. Yeah. yeah How old were you? School. Uh, this was back like when I was like 16, 17, stuff like nice. that, like at high school. Yeah, that's how I was able to like shed like fifty pounds in a few weeks because like I've I've had training on how to like tone my body a certain way. All right, good. Well, next just... time we're at Laugh Factory, I'm gonna have someone talk shit to you without you knowing. So you got oh yeah. Ass. I'll just I have someone like ask me for their set and then not offer me money for it. Yeah, know? and then I'll you know fuck them up in front of everybody. That'd be great. <laughs> I I look forward to that. But it's gotta be except during COVID, I'd have to do it with a six foot stick. You know, so whatever then, you got to do. Yeah. However you got to get the win, you get the win. But yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this, man. I really appreciate oh, it. Oh man. It was my pleasure. I'd love to talk about some other movies, some other times, other sports movies. My favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time, which has been my favorite movie of all time for a number of years was Raging Bull. Oh yeah. And when it comes to boxing movies, there's, there's no competition in terms of best films. I mean, you have Raging Bull, you have Rocky, you have Million Dollar Baby. I um, love that movie. Uh, you know what else is good? Digstown. You ever see Digstown? No. What's Digstown? I'm gonna Digstown look up. Digstown with uh, James Digstown. Woods and uh, Lou Gossett Jr. Oh my God! 
if it's got James Woods on there. Good flick. Classic peak 90s James Woods. 1992. Here we go. Peak James Woods. He's phenomenal in it. Oh, dude, you ever? What was that fucking movie he did? Like the first one he did with Oliver Stone, and it was with James Belushi. Salvador. Uh, that's a really it. good one. Oh, you got to see Salvador. But yeah, uh, that that's amazing. Uh, Pat, plug your stuff for me. Where can we find you? Uh, you can find my podcast is launching. Pat Tomasulo podcast. Nice. Wherever you get iTunes, YouTube.com/slash Pat Tomasulo comedy. I'm on WGN every morning. Uh, I walk my dog in my neighborhood. If you want to swing by there, you'll see me. And uh, that's it, buddy. Nice. And you can catch me at You'll Probably Agree, also known as YPAReviews.com. And uh, we will see you later. Thanks a lot. They all understood who I was. My mentality was to go out and win at any cost.